Welcome. You are listening to a sermon from Christ Chapel Barry. Listen and be blessed. I have a word for someone here today. You will rise indeed. In fact, it's possible you have written off yourself. It's possible you have made up your mind that, well, whatever is left is for our children. But the Lord has a word for you today. You will rise again. You will be a testimony. You will be a surprise. And you will surprise many. And so shall it be in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for this morning. We lift your name on high. Accept our thanks in Jesus' name. Father, as you go into God, go with us. Speak unto us. Teach us. Put the devil to shame. Thank you, Heavenly Father. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's have our seat. Welcome to his presence. He's here to meet with us. And none of us will leave you empty-handed in Jesus' name. Does anyone remember what we were discussing last week? What was the topic we were discussing last week? Anyone remember? Someone that was here or probably somebody that was not here? Uh, yes. The deity of the Holy Spirit. Uh, she's pronouncing it the American way. The deity. What did you call it? Daily. Uh-huh. The deity of the Holy Spirit. And we said there are four attributes of God that are also attributable to the Holy Spirit. Somebody mentioned just one. Eternity. So we said God is eternal. And the Holy Spirit is what? Ah, somebody is not with me. The Holy Spirit. There are four attributes of God. We are talking about, when we say the deity, we are talking about the godliness of the Holy Spirit. What makes the Holy Spirit comparable to God? We say there are four attributes of the Holy Spirit. That they, I mean, four attributes of God that the Holy Spirit also possesses. The first one is that He is eternal. Number two? Omnipresent. omnipresent. Number three? Omnipresent. And number four? Omnipotent. Somebody already said that is omniscience, omniscience, omni whatever. <laughs> Those four attributes of God are also attributes of the Holy Spirit. That's very important. So, and we said, so those are things that, uh, I mean, uh, that contribute to what we call the deity of the Holy Spirit. Now, we said there are three things. Three things that we said the Holy Spirit is the source of. That are equally, that we can also say God is the source of these uh, three things. Anybody can tell me the first one? Creation. God is the God of creation. Is that not so? In the beginning, God did what? Created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the earth. But in the midst of it, what does the Bible say? The Spirit of God was moving upon the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be, and there was. So creation is an attribute of God that is equally attributed to who? The Holy Spirit. That's number one. Number two. Impartation of life. Impartation. Of, the Bible says, if the spirit of him that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the spirit that imparted life to Christ at his resurrection. There's a spirit that imparted life to Christ at birth. Is that not so? 
Luke chapter 1 verse 35. Say the Holy Ghost will come upon you. The power of the Most High shall overshadow you. Therefore, that which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of the Most High. So number one, creation. Number two, partition of life. Number three, the authorship of what? Prophecy. The Holy Spirit is the author of prophecy. That's why you can see a prophecy in Genesis coming to fulfillment in Matthew. Is that not so? Because everything is under the control of the Holy Spirit. That's why you know that that word that God has given to you shall come to pass. Testimony shall come to pass. Because of the Holy Spirit. He's the author of prophecy. And remember the Bible says he's the author. Jesus is the author and what? And the finisher. So whatever word the Holy Spirit has given unto you, it shall come to pass in Jesus' name. Now let's open our Bibles today to the book of Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 7. We're still talking about the broad topic of the Holy Spirit and new beginnings. And underneath that topic, we started talking about the deity of the Holy Spirit last week. And we're going to be talking about that deity today. Isaiah chapter 6, I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 7. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his strength filled the temple. Above his stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. Verse 3. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Verse 5. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Verse 6. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a left coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues of the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo, this had touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm also going to read verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. We are talking about the deity of the Holy Spirit. But you see, before we go to that third point, there are some things we need to take note of in the passage we have just read. The first thing is that Isaiah saw the majesty of God and the heavenly creatures beholding his beauty on a regular basis. And when he saw it, he realized his own sinful uh, uh, state. When Isaiah saw this uh, vision, it wasn't like somebody, maybe like uh, uh, Saul on the road to Damascus, whom we can say that day was the day of his conversion. Isaiah had been prophesying. He had been giving words. God had been giving him messages. What some of us would call dangerous messages to the nation of Israel. And he was releasing them. And you say such a man must be a man of very high standard with God. But the day he saw God in his fullness, Isaiah said, woe is me. For I am a man of what? Unclean tongues. And I dwell in the midst of a people of what? Unclean lips. He realized that all his righteousness was nothing compared to what he was beholding. 
But what he beheld was in the presence of God. No wonder in the book of Psalm 27 verse 4. Psalm 27 verse 4. The psalmist said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may do what? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To do what? To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You cannot behold his beauty and remain the same. Do you realize that? I, I mean, Moses was taken before the presence of God. He saw the beauty of God. He did not know that his face was shining. The Bible says when he came down from the mountain, he just realized that men could no longer look at his face. Until maybe it was Aaron, I don't know who, pointed out to him that, look, bro, this is your face. Unless you cover it, you can't move near you. And so before he could speak to them, he would do what? He would cover his face. So that they, he could commune with them. He beheld the beauty of God. You will behold his beauty in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord will reveal his beauty to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Better still, the Lord will take you to his presence in the name of Jesus. Amen. Isaiah rec I mean, recognized his own deficiencies and cried out. Remember, the Bible says all this happened in the year that who died. And if you know King Uzziah, he was a great king in Judah. Very popular king. He did so many things. One of the reasons that the army of Israel is, is like an unconquerable army is because of the foundation that King Uzziah laid for them. The Bible says in his own time, they had machine guns. They had guns that were, that were being uh, what do you, mechanically operated. It was a new evolution. He, he made Israel to be great and powerful. And because of him, people relaxed. Because of him, Isaiah did not ascend to the place that God had prepared for him. Whatever is hindering you from ascending to the next level, the Lord will take it away in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah realized his unworthiness. And the Bible says, the seraphims that were standing before the throne of grace, they had to do what? They touched his mouth with coals from the altar of the living God. God will touch your mouth today. Amen. Remember when we started our discussion in the book of Acts chapter 2. We said the Holy Spirit when he descended on the day of Pentecost, he descended and he gave them what? Utterance. He gave them what? And we are going to come back to that when we finish this. Because he gave them utterance, but what he gave them on that day was not limited to utterance. Isaiah was in a situation where he realized that if God does not encourage me, I cannot continue. How many of us have ever found ourselves in that situation? And I say, if you don't encourage me, God, I cannot do what? I can't continue. I can't continue. You go to someone who should encourage you, maybe your wife. And the day you are going to say, yeah, this is what I'm feeling. And you expect that she would say, ah, don't worry. Everything will come out fine. What would she say? He said, didn't I tell you? So, the woman that's supposed to encourage you to move forward, well, by the time you finish talking to her, you are what? You are deflated. It looks as if the whole world is against you. You apply for the job, they say you are overqualified. You apply for another one, they say you are underqualified. You start auditing and editing your resume. There's no encouragement anywhere. But there's encouragement 
somewhere. And where is that? In the Lord. Isaiah said, woe unto me. I'm undone. With all my preaching, in fact, you know, the book of Ezra tells us, he said, he said, no, is it Ezra? No, it's James. That said, we should not strive to be teachers. He said, because teachers will be subject to what? Greater judgment. Isaiah saw himself and said, wow, I have been preaching. Go and read Isaiah chapters 1 to 5. You understand his dilemma. So I've been preaching all this war and all this punishment, and this is who I am. I'm in trouble. But God said, he sent an angel, took a coal of fire from the altar, and went and touched his lips. Your lips will be touched today. Amen. I said your lips will be touched today. Amen. And God will recommission you in Jesus' name. Amen. In other words, no matter what you bring to God, no matter how imperfect you are, no matter what you have and what you don't have, God is saying, Come as you are. There is coal on the altar that I will use to touch your lips and transform you. God is saying that there is a fire burning on the altar that has been prepared for you and for your situation. That it does not matter what your deficiencies are. If you will humble yourself and say, Lord, you know that song? Just as I am without one plea, just as thy blood was shed for me and as thou beats me come to thee O Lamb of God I come I come so long as you can tell him that I come as I am I come with what I have which translates to what? Nothing. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. What can I give him? What can I give him? That's why when people sing that song that says, Praise is his food. It doesn't take gari. It doesn't take fufu. It doesn't take uh, the best food in the whole wild world, pounded yam. <laughs> With bush meat and a goosey soup. <laughs> he doesn't take it. All he wants is that you should do what? Just praise him. Praise him when you feel like praising him. Praise him when you don't feel like praising him. Praise him when the devil thinks he has you in the corner. Let somebody shout a big hallelujah. Hallelujah! Somebody shouted a, you know, somnobulous hallelujah. That is a sleeping hallelujah. I I, I know English. (laughs) I said shout a big hallelujah. We are getting there. Some people understand. Some people understand. Brethren, the year will end in how many more days? 20 days. Uh, Shout an hallelujah that will bury this year and resurrect next year. Hallelujah! It is well with you in Jesus' name. Let's have our seat. Then the Lord asked a question. Isaiah had seen it all. His tongue had been cleansed. And then the Lord said, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah thought that God had sent him. Is that not so? Before that day, he thought he was the messenger. (laughs) But yet, before him, God was saying, whom shall I send? He's still asking that same question today. He's still saying, whom shall I send? 
Who will go for us? He's not looking for a crowd. He's looking for how many people? One. One. Tell somebody he's looking for you. Mm, somebody is afraid. Tell, uh, some people are not, they don't want to tell their wives or their husband. Tell your neighbor he is looking for you. He said, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? So the third point of the deity of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit occupies the position of this deity in the New Testament as well as in the Old Testament. What do I mean by that? Let's look at that Isaiah chapter 6. I know we read verse 8. Let's now read verses 9 and 10, and then we'll go to Acts 28. So Isaiah 6 verses 9 and 10 now. Isaiah 6 verses 9 and 10. The point is, the Holy Spirit occupies the position of deity in the New Testament. And I'm going to, uh, we are not going to prove that with this Bible passage. So Isaiah 6 verse 9. He said, and he said, this is God telling uh, Isaiah. He said, go and tell these people. Hear ye indeed, but understand not. See ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of these people fat. Make their ears heavy. Shut their eyes. Lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. Do you understand the type of ministry God is giving Isaiah here? Does anybody understand what God is telling him? God is saying, go and preach, but without anybody giving their life to Christ. That's what this passage is saying. Go and preach. I'm telling you to go and do what? Go and preach. But you will preach and you will not get results. That's what the Bible is saying here. That's the ministry God committed to his hands. Go and talk to them and say, this is what the Lord says. But they will not listen to you. God, I mean, I mean, do I say fortunately or unfortunately? Isaiah was not like Jeremiah. Jeremiah, in this situation, what would he have started doing? He would just be crying. Remember? That's why they call, they call him the weeping prophet. Say, God, which one is this again? You are telling me to go out and preach. Before I even start, you, you, are, you realize that? Before he started, the day that God was commissioning him, God said, preach to them, but they will not do what? They will not listen. And that was his commissioning. But you see, the important thing, brethren, is not the response of men, but the message of God. Does that make sense? If God has sent you, it's the message he gives you that you go to preach. Remember what made Saul to be rejected as king of Israel. What was his problem? The people. The people. He was so interested in what his people would think about him that he forgot what God thought about him. He lost his all. He lost his kingdom. He lost his family. Everything. Because all he was interested in was not what does God want, but rather what do the people want? Want. What are the people saying? If you cast your mind back, when the Lord met Saul on the road to Damascus, and then he went and told Ananias. He said, go and pray for you. Because Ananias said, ah, I know that man. He has been killing Christians all over the place. God said, go and do what? Pray for him. He said, because I have told him how much he will do what? How much he will suffer 
for the sake of the kingdom. That's not the type of gospel we hear these days. Is that not so? Once you give your life to Christ, it's bread and butter. Million will come, the world will bow down at your feet, Satan will run, and it's, they live happily thereafter. That's what we want to hear. That would that would what will happen if God doesn't want to use you. But he called Saul and said, I have told him how much he will suffer for the sake of the kingdom. Do you remember that man in the book of John chapter 9, I believe? That man that was born blind? The disciples of Jesus asked him, say, Master, who did sin that this man was born blind? What did Jesus say? He said, nobody sinned. His condition is that the name of the Lord may what? Maybe. Your condition will give glory to his name. Your testimonies will glorify his name. Just be obedient to however he leads you. He called Isaiah and he gave him some bad news. This is bad news. But you realize that the most quoted book in the the New Testament is the book of Isaiah. This same Isaiah that God was saying, speak, they will not hear you and all that stuff. Because God gave him a message that will be fulfilled when the Messiah comes. Is that not so? We are getting to Christmas time. Everybody starts quoting the book of what? Isaiah. So God knows what he's doing. No? Tell somebody God knows what he's doing. You know, that's why the Bible says the foolishness of God is what? It's what the, when you try to appreciate the things of God with your own myotic, myopic uh, uh, intellect, you limit God. You limit God. There is no way you can talk about Jesus Christ without talking of Isaiah. There's no way you can talk about the anointing, his ministry, the accomplishment of Christ on now without going back to where? Isaiah. Yet when God called him, if it were some of us that God gave this pronouncement, he said, which type of call is this? This must be Satan. This must be Satan hindering my ministry. That's what we're going to say. Tell somebody it is God though. Yes, he's talking to you. And you are saying, get thee behind me, Satan. There's no, tell your neighbor there's no Satan in it. This is God. This is God. Now, when we go to Acts chapter 28, Acts chapter 28, from verse 25 to 27, we said the Holy Spirit occupies the position of deity in New Testament. Acts 28, verse 25 to 27. The Bible says, And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that Paul had spoken one word, Isaiah, I mean Acts 28, 25 to 27. Okay. After that Paul had spoken one word, he said, Well spoke the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto these people and say, Hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand. Seeing ye shall see and not perceive. He said, for the heart of these people is what's gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and should be converted, and I should heal them. So now, in making reference to that passage, Paul was saying that the Holy Spirit spoke by who? By Isaiah. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that God spoke unto Isaiah. Now, Paul is saying here that the Holy Spirit spoke Unto Isaiah. Are we together, brethren? We are saying that the Holy Spirit occupies that place of God in 
uh, a New Testament taught that the things that God could do, the Holy Spirit can do. And everything that God wants to do for you, the Holy Spirit will do for you. Amen. I said the Holy Spirit will do for you. Amen. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 16 verse 7. Exodus 16 verse 7. It said, and in the morning ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. What are we that he murmur against us? So the children of Israel were murmuring. They were murmuring against uh, 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 Moses and Aaron. And what did Moses say? He said, you are murmuring against the Lord. But when a reference was made to this passage in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7 to 9. We are trying to establish a point that some things ascribed to God in the Old Testament are ascribed to the Holy Spirit in where? In the New Testament. To establish the deity. So in Hebrews 3, he said, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said, today if you hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Next verse. When your father tempted me and proved me and saw my word and saw my works 40 years. So when they began to murmur against God in the Old Testament, it's now being referred to as they were murmuring against who? The Holy Spirit. The word that the Lord spoke to them in the wilderness is now being referred to as the word of the Holy Spirit. So that's our third point. Our third point is that the Holy Spirit occupies the position of deity in the New Testament. Now we go to point number four. I think we are going to round up the deity today and we'll go to something else next week. So point number four is that the name of the Holy Spirit is coupled with the name of God in an inseparable way in the Bible. We are talking about the deity of the Holy Spirit. The name of the Holy Spirit, point number four, is coupled with the name of God in an inseparable way in the Bible. And then we'll give a few examples. In other words, you will see that where they mention the name of God, they mention the name of who? The Holy Spirit. Of course, Jesus comes in the picture too. 1 Corinthians 2, I mean 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 6. And we'll start discussing the things that are highlighted there later. But 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 6. He said, now there are diversities of gifts. But the same spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, not Hebrews. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but the same God, which worketh all in all. So in this very brief passage, we see a reference to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit, the same Lord that Jesus Christ, and the same God. And I mean, there are activities being interwoven in the scriptures. Matthew 28, 19, we know that passage very well. Matthew 28, 19. 
Matthew 28, 19. Matthew 28, 19. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So you see, I mean, the names of the name of the Holy Spirit being coupled together with that of God in action. The Holy Spirit will move on your behalf today in Jesus' name. Remember, brethren, that when he begins to move, it's because he wants to do something. And I see him doing something in somebody's life. I see him doing something in somebody's situation. In the name of Jesus. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, he said, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. The Holy Spirit, the, I mean, desires our fellowship. But we see that, like we said, in this particular situation, I mean, Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the, the Holy Spirit are operating together. And we see what each one loves. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, by grace we are saved through faith. Christ came, and the, the Bible says, the law came through Moses. That's the book of John chapter 1. He said, but grace and truth came through who? Came through Jesus Christ. The love of God. God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son. The communion, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about this from the beginning. We need that fellowship. Tell somebody you need that fellowship. Of the Holy Spirit. It's very real, brethren. He guides and directs us in all our ways. And he desires to fellowship with us. He desires that we yield unto him and allow him to guide us. The fifth and the last point on the deity of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is called God in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit is called in the New Testament. We all know Acts chapter 3 very well. I mean Acts chapter 5 rather. Verses 3 and 4. Acts 5, 3 to 4. Acts 5, 3 to 4. But Peter said, Ananias, why had Satan filled and had to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not their own? After it was so, was it not their own? Why has thou conceived this thing in your heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto who? He lied to the Holy Spirit. But you have not lied unto men, but unto God. And we, and we know what was the result. Brother Ananias, we are told, died on the spot. Now the general overseer was saying, he said, <laughs> people who come to church, they say, ah, pastor has just killed someone. <laughs> you come to church and they say, pastor has just killed someone. Are you going to enter the church? Will you enter the church? But that was what happened there that day. <laughs> he just said, you have not lied unto man, you have lied unto God. And the man fell down and died. And before they knew what was happening, Sister Sapphira came. And said, tell me the truth. Did you sell the property for this money? I said, oh, yes, so. This is how much we sold it. Said, ah, 
Why did you allow the devil to use you against the Holy Spirit? Ah, said the people that carried your husband out, their feet is not yet dried on the floor. Said they will carry you out too. And what happened? She fell down and died. Instant judgment. So that's why I said we're in the era of grace. But the Bible says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And the Bible does not leave the answer to us. Because I know if the Lord, if the Bible had said, fill in the blank, we'll have many. Is that not so? Somebody will say maybe. Somebody will say what? Give me some answers. Sometimes. Somebody will say what? Yes. And they will logically prove it. Yes, sister Timokel, what will somebody say? It depends. It depends. But you see, that's why the Bible did not just say no. What did the Bible say? It said, God forbid. Sin cannot multiply grace. We are talking about the Holy Spirit. We must make up our minds to live holy for the Lord. The Bible says this God we are talking about is too holy to do what? He is too holy to behold iniquity. He is too holy to behold sin. He is not looking for sinners. He is looking for righteous men. Will he find you worthy? That's the question for us today. The Holy Spirit is called God in the New Testament. And the Holy Spirit is still God today. See, that's why we say we are in the dispensation of what? The Holy Spirit. This is his dispensation. It's everywhere. He knows it all. He sees whatever God wants to do for you in this dispensation. Who does he send? He sends the Holy Spirit. He's with you everywhere. He guides you. He directs you. Whatever be the situation, he was there before you got there. He is there after you leave that place. There's nothing you are going through that he does not know the root and the end thereof. If only you will turn it over to him. There is a song we sing that says, Turn it over to Jesus. Turn it over to him now. Turn it over to Jesus. And you shall smile the rest of your days. Do you want to smile the rest of your days? Some people are not even sure they want to smile. Do you want to smile the rest of this year? Do you want to smile in the days and years that lie ahead? Turn it over to who? Turn it over to Jesus. No matter how difficult it seems, it's not as difficult as you think. Do you realize that? No matter how impossible it seems, the Bible already concluded that with God, how many things are impossible? How many things are impossible? None. Nothing is impossible. All things are possible. That's the God we are talking about. That is the spirit of that God that we are talking about. It's the God that intervenes in what the doctors have said. He's the God that intervenes in what teachers have said. Some teachers have looked at their students and said, Lou, you, you, cannot be, you cannot amount to anything. And it just so happens that in the future, that same teacher comes to be what? At the mercy of that student. 
that he told you cannot amount to anything. Has it not happened? Over and over again. Over and over again. This God is God. And this God is good. The Holy Spirit is a spirit that is holy. We must not forget that. We call him Holy Spirit. He doesn't like iniquity. He doesn't like sin. He doesn't like filthiness. He will still do it and he can still do it. And he'll do it for you. He'll do it again. He'll do it for you. God will do it again. He will do it again. Just take a look where you are now, where you have been. As he always come true for you, just. Don't you know God cannot change? You may not know. You may not know. He'll do it again. Let's take that song again. He'll do it. God will do it again. Yes, he'll do it again. God will do it again. Yes, He will do it again. Just take a look where you are now. Always true for you. Don't you know God cannot You may not know how You may not know when He will do it again You may not know how You may not know when He will do it again You may not know how, you may not know when, He will do it again. I want us to bow down our heads this afternoon and just commit your ways to the hands of the Lord. You are here today because the Holy Spirit has something He wants to complete in your life. Remember, this is a month of divine completion. He wants to complete that situation. Oh, remember that man that was born blind. Jesus had to do a work of completion in his life. The day he met Jesus, he received his eyes. The world that was not completed the day he was formed. The day he met Jesus, he received them fully. What's your situation today? He will do it again.
He's the only one that can do it. You brace the storm. You brace the snow to come to the house of God today because there's something he wants to do in your life. Oh, talk to him. Talk to him. Tell him. Tell him. He's here for you. You know, brethren, Isaiah stood before the Lord. Isaiah thought he was the man God was using. But before his I mean, before him, God was saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? God is still asking that question today. And there are many of us in the church, we are happy coming to church Nicodemusly. But there's a lot that God wants us to do. And the Lord is asking you today, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Are you ready today to say, Lord, I want to work for you. Use me for your purpose. Use me for that assignment. Are you ready? I know there's someone that the message God has for you today is, it's time for you to go to the next level in your service of God. If you are that person, raise up your hands where you are. We're going to pray together. Is the Lord talking to you? The Lord is saying, I want, I mean, the Lord is asking you the question he asked Isaiah. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Are you ready to tell him, here I am, send me? It's a question for consecration. It's a question for dedication. It's a question, I mean, will, do you want to go into the new year the way you've been? Do you want to go into the new year the way you are? That's the question for us this morning. If you are that person that God is talking to, rise up on your feet. The coal of fire that was used to touch the mouth of Isaiah was taken from the altar. There is a coal of fire on this altar for you this morning or this afternoon. If the Lord is telling you that, are you ready to work for me? That's the question. Whom shall I send who will go for us? Come to the altar. There is a call of fire upon this altar for you this morning. You have, you have been Nicodemus long enough. Brethren, remember the question. Whom shall I send? Who will go for me? This is not a call for saying I want to be a millionaire. This is a call for, I want to serve God more than ever before. I want to serve God more than I've been doing. I want to rededicate my life to the service of God. I don't want to be found wanting in the things of God. Oh, that's the call for this morning, brethren. That's the call. It's a call for whom shall I send? Who will go for me? That's the question. That's the question. You have come to the altar, pray. Like I said, there is a coal of fire upon this altar for you. So pray. Tell the Lord, this is where I stand. This is what I want to do. He will do it again. He will do it again. 
He will do it again. He will touch you. He will equip you. He will strengthen you for the assignment. He will strengthen you for the engagement. He will strengthen you for the call. He will give you a new song. He will give you a testimony. Marima Sika Linda Etragabo. Eprosotoli Ando Etragabo. Yes. Yes, Lord. Makira Mashinda Iragama Ushkate. Eprosotoli Anda Iragabo. Thank you, Lord. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and as thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come, as I am without one place, but was shed for me and now that me come to oh Lamb of God I come I come Father we thank you we love you Lord Accept our thanks in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, these your children have come to recommit their lives to the, the, the service in your vineyard, the service in your presence. They have come to take their calling to the next level. Father, accept them in Jesus' name. Let their services be acceptable unto you in the name of Jesus. Father, you will guide them. You will instruct them. You will reveal yourself unto these ones. And every step of the way from this day onwards, your name shall be glorified in their lives. They will be shining light unto you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We love you, Lord. For we have prayed in Jesus' name. Of God I come. I Father, we thank you. We lift your name on I. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Thank you for such a time as this. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, be, take control in the name of Jesus. I pray for every one of your children present in today's service and those watching online that, Father, you will touch. You will equip. You will strengthen. In the lives of these ones, you will put the devil to shame. Amen. Father, your name and your name alone shall be glorified in the lives of these your children. Amen. They will worship you. They will bless your holy name. You will not be found wanting in them. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We love you, Lord. For we have prayed in Jesus' name.
listening to our sermon here on Christ Chapel TV. Tune in next time for the next sermon. God bless you.